And today we're going into joy. Say with me, joy. joy. Man, I love joy. Absolutely love joy, you know, because with joy comes laughter, and I love laughing, you know. It's such a good workout to laugh, if you didn't know that. You know, it's, it's really good for you. And so I have, I have a lot of scripture uh, to read, and, and you can write them down and then look them up during the week and spend some time on each one of these. But I, I want to give you some references of what God thinks about joy, because, you know, many times we, uh, we don't uh, associate God and church with joy. But instead, we think of uh, church, put your serious face on, you know, like, oh, church, like, like, oh, God, oh, yeah, yeah, let's not, let's not laugh about that. At least I grew up in that, in that kind of church, right? Very religious, very solemn, very quiet, very serious. We don't smile. If you're smile, what's wrong with you, you know? Like, if you're laughing, what, what's wrong with you? Why are you being so disrespectful, right? And so, um, laughter is of God. The Bible says he sits on his throne and he laughs, you know, and so... What, what does God laugh about, you know? And so Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You know, the joy of his presence. That means that in his presence there is joy. Mm. Isaiah 56, 7 says, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. Now, wait a moment, you know, if church was serious, you know what was even more serious than church? Prayer meetings. <laughs> Prayer meetings were, it was like, oh gosh, like, you know, you're not allowed to smile and God forbid you get a laugh attack and they kick you out, you know, because you're being irreverent now. Like, like it's not allowed. Like in church, like laughter was, no, mm-mm, you can't do that. You know, you, you're being disrespectful. But God says that he's going to fill us with joy in his house of prayer. That's amazing. He wants joy. He wants us to walk in joy. He doesn't want, want us to walk in sadness. And so many times religion has associated sadness and, you know, being angry and serious with being spiritual. You're spiritual if you're serious all the time and suspicious. But if you smile and you're laughing, oh, there must be something wrong with you. <clears throat> I see some of you starting to lose it back there. You're laughing. It's all right. Today's okay. Um, Nehemiah 8.10 is, is something amazing, you know, uh, because it says, don't be sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, and I discovered this truth like 20 years ago and it, and it changed my life. And here's why it's because, um, I realized that if I'm feeling weak, it's probably because I lost my joy somewhere along the way. If I'm feeling weak, it's because I probably lost my joy somewhere along the way. So what I need to do is just tra trace my steps back into where I lost my joy and pick it back up. You know, where did I lose my joy? And I want to ask you, you know, what things steal your joy? This is something to write down. This is something to think about. What things steal your joy? And maybe you're like, <clears throat> they're next to me, you know? Like, okay, well, don't be obvious and you don't, yeah. But sometimes we let people or situations steal our joy. And I realized that if the joy of the Lord is my strength and I lose my joy, I lose my strength. And I'm walking around all day just like mm, weak and sad and down. And, you know, you've never seen a joyful person walk like this. Weak. Normally, actually, you know, strength is, you know, related to joy. 
JT, can you stand up for a second? <laughs> this is an amazing man of God. I don't think I've ever seen him not smiling, <laughs> you know, or laughing. And I'm telling you what, he's strong. <laughs> right? Brother, I, you're the picture I think of Joy. I'm like, JT, you never, you know. How many of you have met our children's director, Katya, right? So, right? Always, always smiling. You know, it's like there's a strength, you know, we feel strong when we're in joy. As a matter of fact, when you feel weak, you're hardly smiling. You know, you're hardly joyful. And so this relationship of joy and strength really struck my heart many years ago because I realized that the enemy wants to steal my joy so that I become weak. Because if I'm weak, I'm easy to, to lie to, I'm easy to you know, put down, I'm easy to stray in any direction. But if I'm strong, if I'm in, in joy, I'm strong. You know, I have my head held up. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And many times we... Let go of this strength because we let go of this joy for such cheap, worthless things. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and there goes your joy. Ah, And you have the right to lose your joy, right? I was happy until they did this. I was happy until he said that. I was happy until I, wor- I, I walked into work. I was happy until my kids woke up. I was happy until they turned teenagers. <laughs> I was happy until my wife. I know, you, get, you, get, you can fill in the blank if you dare, you know. I was happy, and, 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 and we give our joy up for anything. I was like, come on. Really, you would give out your bulletproof vest just for anything so cheaply? Like, that's your strength. Don't give up your joy. That's what the enemy wants. And then the enemy comes with lies. And when lies come and we believe these lies that, that are so dumb, right? And, and we believe in we start going into hopelessness. And we lose our hope. And then with that goes our joy. And all of a sudden, we're, we're feeling sad. We're feeling down. We're feeling hopeless. Our faith is like, like a balloon losing all its air. And like, what is happening? You gave up your joy for what? Oh, the enemy is lying to you. And, and when lies come and you believe him, right? Like, yeah, there's many lies. Like, oh, you're too old for God to use you. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm too old for God to use me. You wasted too many of your years. Oh, that's true. I wasted too many of my years. We got to learn how to identify these lies and laugh at them. Because when you laugh at the lies, you disempower them. When you laugh at the lies, you disempower the lies. And when you and when you speak them out loud in contrast with God, his power, his love, his plan, his promises, it makes it even more laughable. Wow, that is so true. God cannot use me anymore because of my age. God cannot use me anymore because I made so many mistakes. Ha, ha, ha. Are you kidding me? He used King David, who did some pretty bad things. He, he had Abraham had kids at 100 years of age. As a matter of fact, 
the devil just makes his case worse when he lies to us about these things because if you look on the Bible, he's used very unfit people. Man, if he used David, what he's going to do with me, man, it's going to be amazing, you know? I didn't kill anyone. <laughs> you know, I've had one wife and the same one this whole time, and that's my plan, you know? Like, when you think about these lies and you put them in contrast with God's promises and his power and his word, it's like they become laughable. So you're allowed to laugh at these lies. And let me tell you, that's one of the most powerful habits you can develop, learning to laugh at the lies. Mm, man, sorry, the economy's not going to be good for you in 2023. And heaven sends apologies. They did not see that coming. Right? Oh, man, God really, really, he was not counting on that. He was not counting on the corrupt. He was not counting on the devil to do that thing, you know? Like, that's just like a checkmate right there. No, that's so silly, right? Like, anything can stop God from doing what he wants to do, especially with someone who's willing and seeking to please him and to do, you know, what he created us to do. And so um, in Proverbs, uh, and so the joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't lose your strength. I'm going to ask you another question, one of these very uh, fun questions that you love to think about. Uh, why are you not radically joyful right now? Like, what is the reason why you're not radically joyful this morning? <laughs> You know, like, you could have a million excuses. Maybe something happened this week. Maybe your sales were down. Maybe um, you had a big fight. Maybe whatever it is, you know, speaking hopelessness into your life. And so we got to dismantle the arguments in our heart and in our mind that are keeping us from being radically joyful today. Amen? Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good like medicine. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. A broken spirit saps a person's strength, right? Same thing we just read. You know, um, many of you know, 2021, April, I had a horrible uh, dirt bike accident. And um, in my leg, uh, I landed wrong from a big fall. It was like 100 feet. I'm uh, just kidding. <laughs> See, some of you already know, like, the... the the height of my fall increases every week, right? <laughs> and so we're at 100 feet. <laughs> and so anyways, anyways, it was pretty bad. My leg was looking the wrong way, and I tore every single ligament. I had to get air vac uh, out of the desert and uh, underwent three surgeries and lots of pain, lots of horrible, horrible, horrible things in 2021. It was the worst year of my life, and I knew this truth. And I knew that... Um, a cheerful heart is good like medicine. And so the last thing I was going to allow to do is the enemy to also take my joy. Because if he took my joy, my recovery was going to be way longer and way harder. But the Bible tells me that joy is like medicine. Actually, scientifically proven, medically proven. You know, when you're in joy and you're in laughter, your body produces good uh, chemicals, you know, that, that, that take the pain away and that promote healing in your body. So the Bible is true. What do you know? 
That's amazing, right? And so I did everything possible to pursue joy. We binged on funny things and laughed at things. One thing I couldn't laugh at was people getting hurt or people falling or anything. That was not funny to me. <laughs> Never mind. And, um, but we, we did that. Like we watched, uh, you know, funny preachers. We watched funny things, comedians and clean ones only, you know. And, um, and we laughed. I laughed as much as possible. It was my goal. One of my main goals was to laugh. Because I was going to keep my joy. You know why? Because against all bad news, uh, it, it's even more important to keep your joy. Like the economy's bad. Oh, you know, and uh, people are going to lose their jobs and their houses. And uh, and for me, it was more like, well, we've never seen something so bad. Be honest with you. I'm like, doctor. So how many of these have you done? Well, I've never seen anything this bad. I'm like, thank you. Um, that's, that's very hopeful. I appreciate that, you know. Um, and you're lucky you didn't lose your leg. Oh, well, okay. Thank you for that, too, you know, because I guess I was really close to having my leg amputated. And, um, and then, you know, he would say things like, yeah, we, we just don't know how the recovery is going to be, you know. We, everything's up in the air. I'm like, okay, well, that's just wonderful. So when you hear a lot of bad news, you, like, you could so easily and justifiably lose all of your hope and all of your joy, right? And go downhill, which is why so many people get depressed and, 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 and this is exactly what's happened. A broken spirit saps a person's strength. So now they're in weakness, right? And so we did everything as a family and, and as a church, you know, to, to keep joy because I know I can keep that. I might not be able to walk, but I can stay in joy. I can stay in hope. I can stay in the word. I can stay in the promises of God, and I can let that strengthen me every day because that joy is working in my body. It's like good medicine. So if you're going through something, let me tell you, like, make it a point to stay in joy. Easier said than done, very much. I know, I've been there. Very, very hard to stay in joy. But when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're reminded of God's promises, when you're filling yourself up with what He said and what He's promised, then it's easy to identify the lies and stay in joy. Amen? Um, and, uh, you know, Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Romans 14, 7, um, it tells us, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life or righteousness of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, the kingdom of God, like, it's, it's a third joy. There's going to be a lot of joy in heaven. So if some of you go like, well, this joy thing is not for me. It's just not my personality. You're going to have a hard time adjusting in heaven. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> Man. That's Jesus' will for us, to bring heaven to earth. Righteousness, peace, and joy on earth, on our life, as it is in heaven. Amen? Gratitude is the antidote to hopelessness. Hopelessness is the enemy of joy. And comparison is the highway to depression. I'll say that one more time. Gratitude is the antidote of hopelessness. 
Hopelessness is the enemy of joy. And comparison is the highway to depression. Why? Because if you live your life comparing yourself to others, it's never going to be enough. And the moment you think like, oh, I got it, beat them. Some new person comes along and ruins your party, right? Because there's always going to be somebody, you know, with more talent, with more strength, younger, uh, with more money, with more accomplishments, with more... Like there's a, that's an unrealistic way to ever keep our joy or keep our hope. And so... We want to stay in gratitude. Psalms 118 verse 24 says, Today, right, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. You know, the one thing we all have, because we could go into like all our gratitude lists and everything that we're grateful for, right, and they're different for all of us. Toilet paper, right? Man, where we say, see, like there was a point where we were grateful for that. Right now we just take it for granted. That's not okay. I don't care what year it is. And so this is the one thing that we all have. No matter how much money you have, no matter what country you live in, no matter what is happening in your life, we all have this to be grateful for. The day the Lord has made. And right here is telling us, because of that, I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. We don't have tomorrow promised. We have today. You know, I don't know if, uh, if it was the same for you, but for me, that was my, that's how I started every prayer as a child. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Anybody else? You know, I don't know, I don't know where I learned it. I mean, obviously at home, but I don't know where that came from. But now I realize, like, this is the, the one basic thing we all have to be grateful for is today. This, why? Because this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. So you know what that means? If you don't like you today, you have tomorrow to start again. If you don't like your marriage today, you have tomorrow to do something different inside that same marriage. Let's be clear. We always have a new day. Every 24 hours, we have a new opportunity. Oh, you've made some, I made so many mistakes. I've been so prideful. I've been so this and that. And guess what? Tomorrow, his mercies are new and you can start over. That's amazing. That's why it tells us, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. And you know when that's talking about? It's talking about today. And tomorrow is going to be talking about today. Of tomorrow. <laughs> it's not talking about the past and it's not talking about tomorrow. It's talking about today. We all have today. No matter where you wake up, no matter what country, what your situation is, you have today. And that's a new opportunity. And that's amazing. Thank you, Lord, for that. Hmm. Are you getting something out of this? See, we're removing all the excuses to not be radically joyful. 2023. You know, joy is contagious. That is so awesome. Have you ever been around people that are just laughing, laughing? Like, it's hard to not laugh. It's hard to not smile. It's hard to just, you know, keep it all in. Like, I mean, 
you must have some really strong arguments to not even crack a smile, right? And let me say something, you know, there are really sad things that happen. There are tragedies that happen. You know, there are losses that happen. Um, and, and the Bible is not, uh, God is not unaware of those things, but he has a solution for everything. He really does. He's also a God who redeems things. And what happens is sometimes we, we lose loved ones, right? And even in tragedies. Just yesterday I was at a life celebration for uh, a family, a church family member who, who lost a loved one to a tragedy. And it's really, really sad. And the Bible tells us that there is a time for everything under the sun. That there is a time to mourn and there's a time to rejoice. And, and many, many other things, right? But, but in... in in regards to tragedies and losses and things like that, the Bible tells us there is a time for that. But it also tells us that the, uh, sorrow might be in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Which tells us that we're not meant to stay in sorrow. We're not meant to stay in mourning. you know. But after a time of processing the pain and, and the grief and allowing the Holy Spirit to heal us, said we should return to joy. Right? So it's, it's a season but it's not supposed to become a lifestyle. Why? Because it saps our strength. Right? When you lose a loved one and you're sad and you're grieving, you feel weak also, which is all the more why, as a church family, we need to come around those that, that have had those losses and be strong when they're weak. Are you with me? And so we come out of that grief, we come out of the bad news, we come out of the, the bad situation, the thing that happened, and we come back into joy. Why? Because there is no hopeless situation. And for those that have passed away, the Bible tells us we're not like the rest of the world that is without a hope, but we have a hope that the dead in Christ will rise again, right? That we will see them again, and that we will be reunited with them. So it's not all lost. Are you with me? So even in those situations, and then we go through things here on earth that are really sad, that are reasons to be sad, that are reasons to be, you know, hopeless, that are reasons to be depressed, but God. And we got to remember, he's a redeemer. See, one of the things that happened that hit me really hard during the, the recovering the accident and the months that I couldn't do anything, and I was just laying there, you know, like a vegetable, just, you know, without being able to even make my own coffee, Gosh, that was bad. The expense of... No, um, so many... That's a joke, right? I can joke about that now. But, um, um, but one of the things that in my mind was, was the enemy was trying to put is like, you know, like you're young right now and you were strong and now forget about all that. You're missing out. You're missing out. You're losing your best years. You know, you're, you're, you're just not going to have this time again. You know, and I know that's true. Like, I'm not going to have that time again. I like, I'm, I can't play basketball with my kids right now. You know, I can't run right now. I can't, like, there's some things that I'm still limited. And, and those are the arguments of the enemy. They would come in and they would just like pound me with like, you're missing out on this. Right? And that could be something else for you, right? Because this happened, you're being robbed from this. You're being robbed from this injustice, from this thing, you know, because this injustice happened to you. You're being robbed from this. But let me tell you, let me ask you something. Who do we serve? We serve a God who calls himself a good redeemer. 
And God is such a good redeemer. And what God said to me is like, don't worry, I am going to redeem the lost time. Because he's so good. He redeems the lost time, right, in ways that we cannot explain because we put our faith in him, and then he speaks to us, and, and he, he makes things happen because the Bible says in Romans 8 that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. So there is no losing with him. When you stay in his presence and you stay in joy and you remain on his word, there is no losing. You can't lose. And so I got that in my heart like, okay, I'm going through this, but I can't lose. I can't lose. And I got to trust that he's a good redeemer and that he will redeem any situation, anything that I feel or think that has been a loss. Mm. Um. So we're going to defend our joy. We're going to prepare for how the enemy likes to steal our joy, what the arguments and the lies and the hopelessness that he tries to lie to us about, and we're going to protect our joy. Um. Let's go to uh, James chapter 1. This is, this is where we're going to stay for the most part um, for the end of this teaching. You know, the, way, the word um, joy is the way hara. Uh, and actually, it's rooted not in a noun, but in a verb. The root word for joy is to rejoice. It's a verb. New and Old Testament. It all goes back to a verb. It's not something you have. See, happiness is external, and it depends on circumstances. But joy is internal, and it, and it works regardless of external situations. Because it's joy in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so I want joy, not happiness. Happiness, you know, it, yeah, it moves. It, it could, anything can disrupt my happiness. Because it's just it's just on situation. I'm happy right now. I'm not happy anymore. You know, I was happy, but then this happened. That's 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 circ that's circumstantial. If you want something that doesn't change, and that's the joy of the Lord, that's an inside work. That's something produced from the inside by the Holy Spirit. And so, um, in I'm um, sorry, we're uh, we're James, James chapter one, and. Uh, and verse 2. It says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Consider it joy. Different version says, Count it as joy. Oh, here we go. I was reading uh, the Amplified Version. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Ah. <sighs> I knew nobody was going to get excited with that verse. <clears throat> Count it all joy when you encounter trials and temptations and troubles. And I'm like, why? Like, like God, like, I know that, first of all, he doesn't send me trials and temptations. Right there in the book of James says, like, God tempts no one. He's not the one sending me troubles and trials and, and, and tribulations. He doesn't send those. We're just going to encounter those in life because we live in a broken world, number one. Number two, because we, made by, we make bad choices and mistakes, right? And so we just encounter troubles. They just happen. We live in a broken world. Things, bad things happen to good people. Yes, sometimes. But guess what? We have a hope. 
And we have promises. And we have a God who's a redeemer who never leaves us. And sometimes if he doesn't rescue us out of a situation, he will rescue us through a situation. But he will never leave our side. And we have a hope that we will always come out better on the other side. And then whatever we think might have been lost will actually be redeemed and work out for our good. And that's where we must stand. No matter what happens. But God, he's bigger. And it allows me to stay in joy. Mm. It's better to go through trouble in joy than sad. Because at least you have strength. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. I was like, Lord. I mean, that's kind of hard, okay? It's... And if you remember, um, a few months ago, we talked about uh, judgment, right? And we talked about how the meaning that we give to things is very important, sometimes even more important than the thing itself, right? You remember that? Or should I start teaching on that right now? Okay, no, okay. I got, that was a firm no from my wife. <laughs> Just kidding. But you know what I mean. Somebody goes past you without saying Hello. You can assign a meaning to it and get offended, right? Or you could just assign no meaning. And like we said last week, you overlook the offense because it might have not even been intentional, okay? And so we, um, we assign a meaning and that meaning has more power than the thing that happened because that meaning goes to your heart. And so what it's telling us here, ready? It's saying when troubles come and tribulations come and problems come, he said, I don't want you to assign it a meaning that is like, whoa me, the world is falling apart. Ah, why does this have to happen to me? God must not love me. What happened? Why am I the worst? Why do I have the worst luck in the world? He's saying, no, no, no. Say, I want you to assign it because that's the, the meaning the, world's, the world assigns to it. Like anybody could count a joy when it's something joyful. But God's saying, hey, listen, here's a, here's a secret. When troubles come, assign it a meaning of joy instead. Because then that meaning goes to your heart and you take it in a different way that will help you get through it with joy and with strength. And here's the other thing. When you assign it the meaning of joy, okay, it's, it's got to be only based on faith. And the Bible calls us to walk by faith. It says that faith pleases God. So if you're assigning it joy, it's because you know something that the common person on the outside cannot know. It's because you know something. You know that, you know, Psalm 30, verse 11, that he's the God who turns your mourning into dancing, your sorrow into joy. You know he's the God that works out all things for your good. You know he's the God of justice, that he will... Redeem things even when injustice happens to you. So you're assigning a meaning of joy because you know the word, because you know his promises, because you know you cannot lose with him. And then, you know, in Isaiah 61, 3, it says that he's the one that gives us beauty for ashes. So if somebody gives you ashes, count it all joy. <laughs> because I walk with the God that turns beauty from ashes. Why else would we be able to assign it the meaning of joy and count something bad as joy unless we know the one that turns everything 
into something good for our good. Like, hello, right? And so God's like, hey, listen, don't get all bummed out. Don't, don't go down that road of like, oh, it happened. No, no, no. It's like count it as joy. And I'm going to show you something else, you know. Um, when we go through these trials and tribulations, we encounter something called tension. Say with me, tension. Oh, tension. We don't like tension, right? But there's something good about tension, though. There's something really powerful about tension. And uh, on earth, we have a tension that we will never have in heaven. Okay? Follow me. In heaven, there's going to be no sorrow. No troubles. There's not going to be any of that tension that we have right now on earth. And so it is this tension that gives us a unique opportunity we will never have again. Tension is what makes our worship real, powerful. It's not real worship if there's no tension. Think about it. I've told you this many times. You, we, we, we have a voice, right? You have your own voice. Nobody else has your voice. Nobody else has your fingerprints. Nobody else. You're unique. So that means that the worship that you elevate to God, it's an invisible fragrance that rises up to heaven. The Bible tells us that it, our offering of worship rises up as a fragrance to God. Nobody else can offer God the kind of worship that Justin offers God. Nobody. Okay? So first of all, nobody can replace your worship. On top of that, nobody can replace the story and the history that your worship carries. Nobody has your testimonies. Nobody was brought up in the same house as you. You know, yes, your siblings, but again, different, right? Different people, different personality, different trials. So nobody can give God the worship that you can give him. Nobody else. Why do you withhold? See, my worship has a tension that is not going to have in heaven. When I worship God here is different than when I worship in heaven, right? Because maybe some people go like, ah, I'm not, you know, I'm just not one of those that, you know, lift their hands and clap. And, you know, I just, you know, but in heaven, we're all going to worship him anyways. Yeah, it's going to be different. You're missing out on an opportunity you will never have in heaven. Never again will it be the same. You will not have the tension of the sorrow that you went through that morning. You will never have the tension of the thing you just got through that morning. You will never have the tension of each season of life. You get to worship God, you know, like in this case, maybe it's, it's, it's a mom who didn't sleep all night long and, you know, woke up with the baby three times. But guess what? You know, next morning she's like, you know what? I'm, go I'm going to church. I'm going to worship God. Guess what? That worship has a fragrance that she's not going to have any other time in life. You know, maybe you had a rough week and you're like, ah, I could just stay home. And yes, you can just stay home or you can bring God a worship with a flavor and an amazing uniqueness that is never going to repeat again itself in life. Maybe you just went through something really, really hard. You get to offer God that worship and that fragrance. You know, it's a one-time one opportunity. I'm not saying we worship God as if we're the heroes, like, look me, God, I'm going to worship you even though I had a bad week. No. I'm saying I have something unique with the things that happen in my life and the things that I'm still going through that I get to offer a sacrifice of worship that will never taste the same to God. You know, uh, 
uh, when Bill Johnson lost his wife just a few months ago, it was an incredible example of the body of Christ. He shows up to church next day and worships the Lord. Why? Because he recognizes the same thing. He recognizes the opportunity that he is able to give the Lord a worship through what he's going through that he will never have again. Hmm. Honor. If there's no tension, there's no real honor. If you only honor those who are like you and you like and they seem perfect in your eyes, well, that's not a very complicated thing, you know. There's no tension. Tension, you know, real loyalty happens when there's tension, when there's disagreements. If there's no tension, then you just like someone who is just like you. Well, the unbelievers do that. Sinners do that. Cartels do that. <laughs> obedience. Love. Without tension, is it really obedience? Do you obey? And you're happy because you wanted to do it anyways, but what if you didn't? <laughs> it's got quite quick. Love, right? Who, who here has been married more than 50 years? 50 years, okay, we have a few couples. 50, 50, 50 what? Kyle, you're not even 50 yourself. <clears throat> See, the, the love in a marriage after 50 years, well, after any, any amount of years, right? It, it's, it has a deeper, rooted, stronger flavor of love than a newlywed couple, right? Me and my wife, you know, we talk about this all the time. We're like, we, we were madly in love when we first got married. But now it's like our love is just deeper and stronger and more mature. Can't really explain, but why? It's because we have a history together. And so our love is actually more meaningful. It's a bigger trunk than it was before. At the beginning, it was just a cute little branch, you know, <laughs> all excited and woo. I got a leaf here, I got a leaf here. Now it's a trunk. You got a lot of history there. It's unique. It's unique. Not done. We're getting there. Um, I love obedience. Uh, growth. Man, growth is... Uh, Growth only happens when there's tension, right? If I tell you to do this exercise, well, this, I mean, you're flapping your arms. You might fly, but you're not going to grow any muscles, right? But if you put a little bit of tension, right, what happens? Watch me, JT. <laughs> it's like, ah, it's a little hard after 10 of those. Like, you start feeling, you know, different muscles. And, and what happens is going to cause growth, right? And then if that one's too light, then you go to the purple thick band. Watch JT. I'm doing good, right? So, whoo, break a sweat there. <laughs> but what happens is, like, these things make us stronger. What doesn't kill you make you stronger? <laughs> that song just popped in my head. Is it a Christian song, by the way? I, you know, I just, yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. James chapter 1, verse 3. So this is why we count it as joy. 
because you know that you're going to get through this with God and you're going to be stronger on the other side. You're going to be better. You're going to have more history. It's going to be an upgrade, right? Um, don't skip the, the trial. Verse 3 says, be assured. I'm reading the Amplified Version. This is amazing. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full, say with me, full, okay? Have full play and do a thorough work so that there is a purpose to this. God doesn't send you tests and trials and tribulations. But he said, but when you go through this stuff, he's like, all right, we're going to do this together. I'm, gonna go pu- I'm not going to pull you out of this because we're going to count this as joy. You're going to be stronger. See, Kara uh, shared the, the experiment that was done uh, ab- ab- about some scientists. They created a biosphere. And they created the perfect environment to grow these trees. And it was the perfect temperature, perfect humidity, perfect uh, soil, perfect nutrition, perfect everything. It was just perfectly balanced and, and created, right? And, and then they found out that these trees would grow up and they wouldn't last very long. They would die. And they realized that their roots weren't deep. And they missed something. They missed the tension. They missed the tension that the wind brings and it moves them around and it causes them to grow deep root, uh, to grow roots deeper. And so these trees didn't have any deep roots because there was no tension, there was no wind, there was no uh, elements of the earth putting tension on them in order for them to grow deep. So if we just skip out and we and we cry and we don't want to go through these things and, and we don't learn how to count them as joy, we're not going to grow stronger, deeper. In our relationship with the Lord and in life, we'll be pretty shallow and not have deep roots. And so right here, that's why he's saying, let patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be perfectly and fully developed, lacking in nothing. So at the other side of that trial, you become perfect without missing and lacking anything, stronger. That's amazing. So knowing that, I can count it as joy. I can count it all joy. You know, when somebody rubs me the wrong way, ha, 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 I can count it as joy. Mm. When I can overlook the offense of someone, mm, I'm better for that. I can count it as joy. And... um Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. See, this rejoicing is not just a pretend fake. I, I want to clarify this. God is not saying, listen, if bad things happen, you put on your happy face and you show up to church, okay? No. God's not saying be fake. God's not telling you to put on a Facebook face and be fake. He's not saying that. What God is saying is like, I'm telling you, rejoice and rejoice in the Lord. Because when it's in the Lord, it's a real joy because you know everything that it entails. You know you'll be stronger. You know you'll be, uh, have, have deeper roots. You know that it will be redeemed. You know that he will work everything out for your good. When you encounter a situation where you've never 
seen God move before. Let's say that you've never had financial trouble ever in your life. And all of a sudden, boom, this happens and you're in financial trouble. Count it as joy. Why? Because this is an invitation to know God as something you've never known him before. You get to know him as your provider. You get to know him as Jehovah Jireh. I get to know God as my peace, as my joy. Because, see, I'm still going through this crap. Oh, did I say that? You know, I still limp. I still have pain. But I count it as joy. Because my body is healing. It's getting better. Whenever I want to whine and complain, be like, oh, again, this leg, you know, I wish I had energy to go do this right now. I can't do it. You know what? No. I'm like, thank you, God. I, I get reminded of gratefulness. Thank you, God, that I that I have my leg. Thank you, God, that it works. Thank you, Lord, that the drop foot healed. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the feeling's coming back. Thank you that it's getting stronger. Even even if, if it's hard to notice it, thank you it's getting stronger, God. Thank you that every day I go up the stairs a little easier, God. Thank you, thank you. And I, and I keep myself in gratefulness. I keep myself in gratefulness and in joy because this will pass. But how I pass through it, that's very important. That's very important. In Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always, right? And again, I say rejoice. It's in him that we can truly rejoice. If it's not in him, most likely it's a fake rejoice. You're just putting up an act. But if it's in him, you're rejoicing. You know, the funny thing about this uh, verse in Philippians 4 is that it comes right after uh, a conflict verse. It says in verse 2, now I appeal to Iodia and Syntyche, probably two, I don't know, ushers or leaders in the church. It says, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. <laughs> there was some quarreling going on. It's like, guys, settle your disagreement. And then I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women. You know, that probably the pastor of the local church is like, why do you have to get me in the middle of this, you know? Like, can they just work it out by themselves? No, you get in there. He said, help work them out. They worked with me in telling others the good news. They worked along, you know, with the other believers and their names in the book of life. But, and right after this, it says, and rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice in the Lord always. That's pretty amazing, right? Because we have this kind of conflict in church, out of church, and, you know, in the family, and we're all the time. And the instructions of the Lord is like, okay, sell your disagreement. And get back to joy. The most important thing, get back to joy. Whatever's happened, all right, let's get through this. Let's work it out. But get what? Back to joy. I want to pray for you. And uh, so if you close your eyes right where you're at, I'm going to pray. And I want to, I want to read these declarations. And you're more than welcome to say them out loud. Um, and uh, some of these are in your biblical prayer. Um, Lord, I thank you for every person here, and I ask you, Lord, that your word would go deep into our hearts, that you would help us identify the lies of the enemy, and to stay in joy. To stay in joy through every situation, no matter how hard it is, God, that we would have a, a Holy Spirit-led plan to get back to joy, knowing that you're a good redeemer, knowing that you work all things together for our good. 
God, let this become a reality in our lives. And with your eyes closed, you could just put your hand over your heart and repeat with me. Every day is a gift. And I choose to open each gift with joy and gratitude. Happiness depends on circumstances. Joy comes in spite of circumstances. I choose joy. God creates desires in me so he can have the joy of fulfilling them. He wants to give me the desires of my heart. I trust in him. God rejoices over me with singing. I bring him great joy. He shares his joy with me. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you believe it, give God praise. Amen.